The year was 2000, and 50 books were written and published in the United States on the topic of pursuing happiness. Shortly after that, a happiness frenzy hit our nation. And when the year 2008 arrived, in that one 12-month period, over 4,000 more books were written on the topic, How You Can Be Happy. In this happiness frenzy, because everybody wanted to know and understand, because what they, weren't, what they weren't finding out is that what they were doing was working. There were colleges that then set up courses for students to be able to take called positive psychology. And those classrooms were filling up with students. What was found out that over 15% of the students that were going to those classes were suffering from clinical depression themselves. They were all hoping, though, to be able to graduate, to be able to hang up a shingle outside of an office building, to be able to help people be a life coach, telling them how they can be happy in their marriages, in their finances, in their career choices. Because happiness has always been something that you and I are interested in pursuing. The funny thing is, or may I say interesting thing, is that many people believe that today the people in the United States are sadder and filled with more anxiety than we ever have been in the history of mankind. Isn't that something? Well, that has not been my reality. I have been a person all of my life that has been happy. I wake up loud and I wake up early. And I'm excited about the day that I'm facing. Now, that does not mean that I have not hit bumps in the road. It doesn't mean that I have not experienced pain because, believe me, I've experienced pain. I was told when I was 15 years of age that my dad had one year left to live. And through my teenage years in high school, I helped him with a breathing machine and take his medication when he would forget or whatever or just be in a stupor so that he could breathe because of a chronic lung disease. So I, I know pain. I've gone through the funeral homes, and I've helped pick out caskets for loved ones more times than I care to. I've walked through the cemeteries after funeral services and before. I've experienced those things. I've experienced betrayal, friends that I thought liked me, friends that I thought I could trust that I found out I couldn't trust, and then people that I thought cared about me that I found out later didn't, or they said something bad to hurt me behind my back. I've experienced all that. But in those little bumps in the road that I'm calling them, at the end of the, way, at the, end of the day, I always found that joy... A grateful heart and happiness was not that hard of a decision for me to make. Now, the one reason or thing that I contribute to that factor is the fact that when I was 12 years of age, God put some really smart adults around me when I got saved. Give you the story real quick. I was 12 years old. I was going to a Christian school that my parents put us in in Orlando, Florida. So we had Bible just like everybody else would have you know, English and math. Along with that, we had a Bible class. We had Bible teachers every day. And then once a week on a Thursday, we would have a chapel class, meaning everyone, all the student council would go to a worship center, the, the church building, and we would go in and we'd sing songs and things like that. And then somebody, normally a youth pastor or a teacher from the Christian school would come in and preach to us on our level. That particular Thursday, Dr. Bob Ware, the pastor of the church, came in to speak. And I love this man. Outside of my father, I admired this man more than any other man on the planet. He was a man's man. He's an ex-Navy man who was a boxer in the Navy. So he was big, he was mean, and he was as tough as nails. He had no neck. He just sunk into shoulder muscles and big old arm muscles and a big old barrel chest. And he was just a man's man. And I loved the guy. 
Well, he was speaking that day, and when he was speaking, he was talking about Jesus and how much Jesus loved us, and he died for us on the cross of Calvary. And then we can have a relationship with God through him by just believing that Jesus died, asking him to come into our heart and be our Savior, forgive us of our sins. So that day, I mean, with tears coming out of his face, this big, burly man of a man, telling us how we could be saved, I did that. I'll never forget, I was sitting in the middle, kind of where you're sitting, four or five rows back, right on the center aisle, center seat. And I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me, to come into my heart and to be my Savior. And I remember him talking about how it changed his life, this rough, rugged, kind of a Navy, nasty Navy guy that he was, to the man of God that he was that day. And I wanted that in my life. And I remember thinking a couple of things. Number one, why didn't somebody tell me before this? I'd gone to church with a friend of mine when I was about 10 or 11 years of age, and this is what I remember my first church experience was I went in and I sat by him, and the church was serving communion. And as the plates and the elements were coming past, I remember him asking me this question, just a kid. He said, are you a Christian? And I go, I don't know. He said, well, then you can't take communion. And so I'm standing there in church, and I'm like, you know, here comes the plate, and I just kind of pass it on. I'm kind of thinking, well, how do you, how do you fix that? How do you get in on that? And nobody told me. Next time, all of a sudden, I hear this. I'm 12 years of age, and this time I got it. And I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it was amazing. Well, I was so happy and so proud about it, I went around to the people in the Christian school, the adults that God had put around me that I admired, and I said, hey, I got saved today, or, you know, Friday. I got saved yesterday, the next week. I got saved last week in chapel class. Man, I accepted Christ my personal Savior. And there were two adults in my life. They were, he was the football coach for the Christian school, and they both worked in the children's ministry, J.C. and Estella Penny, no relationship to the department store. And this is what, and they were working, and this is what they said. They said to me this. They said, Cool. What are you going to do now? I said, well, I, I just told you what I did. I, I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save me. And they said, huh, yeah, no, listen to me. What are you going to do now? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they explained to me that when you accept Christ as your personal Savior, you become part of the family of God. And therefore, as part of his family, you got to be in the family business. Now, I understood what the family business was all about because my family owned a company for 46 years. And in our family, you had no choice. If you were in our family, you were in the family business. You were going to help out in this way or that way, but there was no other options. In our family, you're in business. And in God's family, I found out very quickly, I needed to be in his business. So they opened up an opportunity, and the opportunity they opened up for a 12-year-old, which all, I always looked like I was older than 12. I was always taller or bigger than anybody else in, in, in my class. But this is the opportunity they gave me, working in the children's ministry. And what they said was, you can work in the children's ministry. This is what we want you to do. We want you to go with us on Saturday, invite children in a neighborhood to get on a church bus, ride to church, then assist the teachers in their classrooms and then get the kids back on the bus and get them back home safely. That will be what you do. Now, does anybody remember when churches had church bus ministries? Would you raise your hand? For liability reasons, they're like not around today. And can you imagine some stranger walking through your neighborhood trying to get your kids to get on a bus and go somewhere? Well, back in that day, the parents looked at it as free babysitting service and they were happy to send their kids with us. So we'd fill out buses, and this was my job, protect those kids walking across the street until they get on that bus. Watch over them while they're on the bus. Get them to their classrooms, assist the teachers while they're being taught, get them back on the bus, get a head count, and get them to their front yards across those streets. And, and from the age of 12 to 15, I did that, 12 to 15. It wasn't until I was 16 years of age that I heard a pastor explain tithing to me. And here's how I, how I accepted tithing. 
He said, the first 10% of everything you have belongs to your heavenly father to do his work, to invest into the family business. So I remember saying, yes, sir. And I took $38 out of my wallet because I was working for my father's business on earth. And I took $38 and my first tithe was $38 in an envelope that I, I'll never forget it. And for the rest of my life, every week, I've never missed tithing since. You know why? My father's business. And if you're in the family and you're in your father's business, you help your father. And that's what God said. God, God simply said, I want you to serve me. Now, we, we hear that and we think, well, I guess i got to be able to seminary. I guess i got to do this. i got to do that. No, no, no. Your heavenly father wants to reward you and bless you so much that he made serving him so incredibly simple. And then he said, if you'll just nod my way, if you'll just pay attention to me, if you'll throw some time, some effort, and some attention toward my business, I'm going to re-bless you and reward you for it. Well, I was working in my family's business, and at the end of every week, I got a paycheck from my family, from my father. But then I realized that my heavenly father wanted to reward me as well. And I didn't even know that. I was serving my God at a young age because I was just grateful. I was blown away that he even let me know about salvation in the first place. And I'm just saying, well, you saved me. Your son died for me on the cross of Calvary. What can I do for you, right? And I didn't even know that my heavenly father had plans to blow my mind for these things. And this, this is what he said, John chapter 12 and verse 26. Jesus said, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I'm like, wait a second. God, I thought I was honoring you. I'm working in the children's ministry at 12, and I thought I'm honoring you. And the heavenly Father of this universe goes, I know your name, I see what you're doing, and I'm going to honor you. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. I'd do it without that. I'd do it without that, God. And I didn't even know that the heavenly Father was about to honor me. And with that honor comes happiness that you can't get on any other level. But take a look at this. This is so important. You and I are saved by faith. We're saved by faith. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, you're saved by faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. All of your righteousness are as filthy rags. So you stack up all the good you can possibly do. It's not going to mean anything to God. You either accept Christ and make room for him or you don't. So that's the only way that you can be saved, accepting Christ as your Savior. If you reject him, you're not saved. And everybody that's ever lived on this planet fall into one of two categories. You're either saved or you're not saved, based on not works, but based on whether you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior or not. And then God says, everybody who has ever lived is going to gather in one of two different meetings in heaven. So listen to me. You've got a meeting with the Heavenly Father that's coming. And you will either be in this group meeting or you'll be in this group meeting. And those two meeting places are called judgments in the book of Revelation. Let me give them to you. The first is called the judgment seat of Christ. The second one is called the great white throne judgment. Every person who attends the judgment seat of Christ is a believer, and they're saved. Every person that attends the great white throne judgment is an unbeliever who has rejected or not accepted Jesus Christ 
as their personal Savior. Now, you might be thinking, well, why is there two judgments? I mean, the bottom line is, if everybody over here is going to heaven and everybody over here is going to hell, why do you need to talk about anything? Just all this group goes into heaven, all this group goes into hell. The judgment seat meetings are not to determine whether or not you're saved. That was determined on earth. The judgment seat meetings are to determine how you're going to spend your eternity in either heaven or in hell. Let me say it again. Your belief determines your eternal destination, but your behavior determines how you're going to spend it. Oh my gosh, I hope you're ready for that. Your belief determines whether or not you go to heaven or hell. Your behavior on this earth will determine how you're going to spend your time in heaven or in hell. Listen to me. How you live this life matters. Take a look at this on the side screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Let me give you the verses that back all this up. For we must all appear, talking to Christians only, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while, read it, we are in the, oh, while we're alive, you see. And the Bible says that God wants to bless us and reward us himself. The judgment seat of Christ is to reward you. I'm going to take it that everybody in here is saved and we're all going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Is to reward you for what you have done in this life concerning your father's business. Whether you ignored it, made it last priority, or you made it the most important thing in your life. And he sees, watch this, and rewards all of it. Now, you guys work in the children's ministry of our church, right? And you're all about 11, 12 years of age. So you work in the children's ministry, then you come in here and you serve, right? When you're working in the children's ministry, you are answering the prayer of a young mother or father who prayed this prayer. God, we just need to be with you today. We need no distractions. We need to sit in church and love each other and feel the presence of God and not worry about our crying baby or our upset toddler or whatever, right? So you're answering the prayer of a young mom and dad who's coming to church while you're keeping their kids. Now, let me have any of you been thrown up on? You have? Give me, some, give me some of that. The God of this universe saw that toddler erp up on you. Right? And you know what he says? I got something for her. And it's not just a wet towel. I got something. <laughs> right? For her. This judgment seat of Christ is about rewards. And it's not that he's going to staff it out to a third rank angel somewhere down the lone road. God himself said, I am going to reward you. Take a look at this verse on the side screen. The Bible says... <clears throat> Where is it, Hooper? Let me just look at it. Where's it at? It says, and your father who sees everything, look at that, who sees everything will reward you. Your father who sees everything or sees in secret will himself reward you. Now, at the judgment seat of Christ, I need you to get the picture out of your head that you're going to be standing out there with a few million people, and God's going to walk out there on a big balcony and go, Y'all done good. But somebody in the back is going to say, what did he say? I think he said they need more wood. 
you're going to have a one-on-one meeting with your Heavenly Father. And He is going to reward you for everything you did concerning His kingdom's business in this life. Everything. Wow. Now, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28 has a very sad verse. It says, Now, little children, abide in me, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You say, well, why would a Christian be ashamed when the coming of Jesus comes back? Because they wasted their life. Because everything else in this life became more important to them than serving God. Basically, just helping your father. That, that's what serving is. It's just helping your father. In the Bible, when ropes were put underneath a ship, a boat, a wooden ship that was in a storm, they would throw out what they call helps. These ropes would go over the ship, underneath the ship. They'd bring them up on the other side, and they would tie the boat together. Now, when those things were tied together, basically it was help holding the boat together during a rough time. And and those things, those ropes were called helps. The same word is used here for it comes to serve God. You're just helping him. That's it. Helping him do what? You're helping him do his kingdom work. You're holding his church together when you come and you serve. You're holding people together, a marriage together when you pray for them and when you encourage them. When you give them resources or material or just be their friends or walk them through a hard time. What are you, you're helping God help them. That's what it is. And God says, those things I will reward. Now, when you go to heaven, the Bible says that heaven is referred to as a city, a city with no sun and no moon, but there will be to shine on it because the glory of God will be the light of that place. And in that city, you and I will be given responsibilities. The Bible talks about that. You say, well, who's going to get what position? It all depends on what you did for him when you were here. That determines it. And that's when he's passing out these rewards that you are going to receive when you get to heaven. So rewards are going to be given to believers at the judgment seat of Christ. Now listen to this. And degrees of punishment are going to be given to the unbelievers at the great white throne judgment. Let me ask you a question and ponder this. Hell's hell, right? And there's no first class seats. It's all coach and it's all bad. But is your uncle, who's a good man, who provided for your family, who really doesn't drink, didn't run around, didn't cheat on his wife, he just rejected Christ. He had nothing to do with Christ, nothing to do with God's church. Is he going to experience the same kind of hell that that idiot who walked into the movie theater in Aurora and killed 12 people and shot up 58 more are going to experience? Will that uncle of yours experience the same kind of hell as Hitler who killed over 6 million Jews? Will they experience the same hell? The hell's hell and God's not there. But will there be different degrees of punishment? This is so good. Oh, look, look, look at this right here. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, God blesses the one who reads the words of this property, prophecy to the church. Oh, oh, stop a minute. <laughs> I'm about to read it. But the Bible just said, God blesses the one who reads this word of prophecy to the church. Let me ask you a question. Who's reading it to the church right now? <laughs> Come on. All right. Okay. Just, how hard do you think it is? Uh, truth is, I, I read it twice at home. I just kind of skimmed read it because when I read it to you out loud, I wanted the cadence to be smooth, right? So I read it twice at home, and now I'm fixing to read it to you. And guess what God's going to do? He's going to bless me, Right? I haven't broken a sweat, and I really didn't have to try very hard. Because you know what? I know how to read. 
right? So I'm about to be blessed for just reading it to you. Now check out what it says. Check out what else it says. It says, where, where am I at? And then it says, and he blesses all who listen. Are you guys about to listen? Okay, he's about to bless you, right? So it's not hard. Did you have to work very hard to listen? No. He said, and then obeys the message that it says, for the time is near now. Now here's, here's the point I want to make, right? Some people say, well, serving God means i got to go to Africa and build wells. No, you don't. Serving God is one of the most simplest things you can possibly do. You're in his family. Just open up your mind and open up your eyes and open up your mouth and serve him. What's that mean? Help him. Help him. Just do his thing in your life today. I'll get to that more in a minute. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. You guys know why we call it the great white throne judgment? I'm going to go real deep and show you why Bible theologians call it the great white throne judgment. Here it is. Then I saw a great white throne. There you go. That's deep right there, baby. That's deep teaching. Take that home, will you? And him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Everybody with the great white throne judgment, no place in heaven. You found no place for my son Jesus Christ in your life when you were on this earth. I find no place for you in my heaven. You go, that's harsh. Let me tell you what God is. He's loving, he's merciful, he's kind, he's forgiving, but he is also just. What about a person that, you know, they rejected Christ, but they went this area of religion or that area of religion, or they believe with all their heart, this would do it. If you have no place for Jesus, he has no place in his heaven for you. And he makes that very clear to every person in your family and every person that's ever lived on this planet who's rejected his son as their Lord and Savior. And then he goes on to say, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books, plural, were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. The book of life is where your name is written if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. That book is there to show them that their name was never written in the Lamb's book of life. But some other books were open. Now watch what he says. And the dead were judged according to their works. Well, how would he know about their works? They're recorded in those books. Oh, my gosh. Well, if they're going to hell, they're going to hell. But watch this. They were still judged according to their works. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, but I say to you, this is God talking, I say to you that it's going to be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Jesus went to Capernaum. He was teaching the people of Capernaum, and they would not repent and come back to him. And then Jesus said, had I gone to Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have heard what I said, and they would have repented, and Sodom and Gomorrah would still be here to this day. But I personally came to you, and I told you about me and how to be saved, and you rejected me to my face, and it's going to be easier on them in hell than it's going to be on you. What is that? It's degrees of punishment. That's what that is. That's exactly what that is. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5, scary verse. But because you are stubborn, and we're talking to unsaved people, because you are stubborn and you refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. You're storing it up. You're storing it up. You're packing it on top of each other. For a day of anger is coming when God, the righteous judgment, will be revealed. Wow. So will hell be the same for an uncle that just rejected Jesus as opposed to Adolf Hitler or the guy that shot up the people? No, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. And will the rewards in heaven be the same for a person who ties into the kingdom work of God, 
right? Who serves, who invites a friend, who calls on somebody to come and be the help to him, who ministers to him to encourage him. You guys need prayer. I'll pray for you right now. Is, is, is heaven going to be the same for somebody like that as opposed to somebody who's saved so as by fire, never ties, never goes to church, never helps anybody, never gives any thought to the kingdom of God? Will heaven be the same for them? No. Because God is a just God. So some of you are sitting there right now going, uh-oh, if I'm coming before the judgment seat of Christ, which I will, I need to get busy. Right? And some of you are thinking, I don't know if I need to go to seminary. I don't know what I need to do. Can I give you a verse? The Bible says, and this is how cool your God is, because he wants to bless you. And if you give, Matthew 10, if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Watch this. Watch this. Hold that cup. You hold that cup. Watch this right here. This is going to be so cool. Watch this. Hold that cup up. Ooh. Very good. Ooh. Very good. Reward, reward. <laughs> that simple. That's simple. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from God uh, as a reward. It is the Lord Christ your servant in everyday stuff, going to work. I'm representing Christ here. That's why I'm showing up early. That's why I'm the best employee you got on the job, because I'm not working for you. I'm working for him every day of my life. And God wants to bless you. Throw up an e-invite card on the side screen for me. Throw that up there. This card is going to be mailed to every one of you who have an email on, okay? It's going to come to your email. This is an invite card telling you about the series that we're doing right now. Watch this. Watch this. The invite card comes to your house, your media mailbox. You open it. You see it. And then you click forward. You go to your address book. And you go, I got some friends and some marriages and people that aren't happy. And they're trying to, they're, they're on anxiety medication. They're, they're, they're trying to drink themselves silly at night. They're smoking weed like, you know, they're going to, you know, just kind of decompress in the evening with that. And they're still not happy. So you go, I know some people. You put in their addresses. You change the forward to, hey, I think you might like this. Clicks in. Bam. Reward reward, reward for everyone you send it to. Why? It's not your business. It's your father's business. And you made it your business. How hard was that? How hard was that? Wow. And then this final verse, look at it. Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You're going to experience the abundant life and prosperity on this earth when you obey him with tithing. He's going to bless you with abundance, with protection, with prosperity. When you serve him, you're going to get rewards here. And he's storing them up for you there. And the longer you live, listen to this 56, almost 7-year-old. The longer you live, you're going to find out you got a whole lot more waiting for you there than what you ever accumulated here in a city that's perfect. And I want to thank you. Seriously, I want to thank you. 
I was 30 when I got into Grand Junction. Anna was 29. Our kids were very little. And we chose to make Fellowship Church the place where we would serve our Heavenly Father. And we needed nursery workers and children's workers and ushers and greeters. And we needed somebody to run a sound system, somebody to run a camera, somebody back there doing that. Somebody, we need people up here. Somebody's got to be talented enough to play that thing right there. Somebody's got to set all this up. Somebody's got to clean it during the week. Somebody's got to do the children's ministry, the youth ministry. Somebody's got to do all that. Somebody's got to greet people and shake their hands at the door. Somebody's got to share with love Christ with somebody, with a brother. Somebody's got to pray with somebody. Somebody's got to go to the hospital and see them. Somebody's got to go to hospice and sit and hold the hands of somebody whose loved one is dying. Somebody's got to bring food when a funeral family is going through a difficult time. Somebody's got to coach somebody else, pray with somebody else, be on the phone with somebody else. Somebody's got to be putting money in an offering place so we can pay the electricity on this place. Somebody's got to do all that. You people have. Looking at Sue Knight sitting right there. Sue Knight, 26 years ago, you taught the children in our church. And today, Debbie Pilon, Chris Ganser, in the second and the third grade, taught our lead pastor the Bible. And now our lead pastor is teaching their family members the Bible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I know some of you would say, I'm not doing it for press, and I'm not doing it for rewards. I started doing it before I knew there was a judgment seat of Christ. I started serving my Father out of gratitude before I knew. Before I knew that there was going to be rewards stored up for me in heaven. I started serving my Heavenly Father and honoring Him before I realized that He was looking for a reason to honor me. I just started serving Him because He said, I want your help in my work. And I said, yes. And then I figured it out. Oh, my God. It's not that God wanted my help because he needed my help. He did not need my help. What I figured out was when I'm helping God, that was really actually my heavenly Father helping me to be what? to be truly happy.